You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 61 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you Gina? I'm great Val, how are you going? I'm good, what's new with you? What have you been doing and shooting and lighting and (laughs) (laughs) organising this week in the world of photography? So so doing right now, I've actually got my uh, bolognese on the stove, slow cooking. Yeah, I'm very proud of it. I've actually added a bit more bacon in it this time. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Just give it more flavour. I thought you were vegan. (laughs) No, it's not. I don't cook it for me. I cook right. it for the family. So, but but I add bacon for them, and just to make it richer and give it a better like flavour all round. Do you so cook the bacon good. first? Great. Yeah. So you fry the okay. um the onions, carrots, bacon, garlic, and then you add the meat combination of uh, pork, veal, and beef, and then you fry that off. Add some red wine, and then you add the tomatoes and uh, the, the little little hint of masala. That's so my mum's trick. So this is not and, a yeah. food podcast, everyone. But this everyone's is. asked me for this recipe <laughs> when I sent the newsletter out, and it's very very nice. It's slow cooking, and you've got to do it slowly. All good things take time, Val. Okay, fair enough. Yep. I'm. I haven't been cooking. Yeah, what have you uh, been doing? Um, I've been going a little bit hard at the gym and I really felt it on the weekend. I practically slept almost the whole weekend because I clearly my body isn't coping Real very gym. well. <laughs> Lots of kicking and, and uh, roundhouse kicking. <laughs> it's just fun, just fun stuff. You do that but- like. Can you do that cr- hidden tiger crouching, whatever? Crouching you, tiger, uh, hidden tiger. Can, can you can you like jump up in the air and do like a kick and break a plank of wood in half? Maybe if I had some, you know, aerial suspension attached to me, but otherwise, no, I can't. Right. But perhaps we should talk about photography, James. Yeah. So uh, basically. Um, what I have been doing is um, shooting a, like a lot of performance. I've been doing some theatre oh. and my um, I upgraded my uh, Canon 1DS Mark III to the 1DX last year, in the middle of last year, and it, they always talk about how good it is in high ISO mm. and I've never really pushed it. I've been pushing it. I'm so impressed. Really? How well it, it's like... You know, before with the old cameras, even the 5D, I could get around 1,000, 1,200, something like that, but it's noisy. Yeah, right. This camera, like you know what you're paying for. It's like 1,600, 2,000 ISO, and I'm talking like 
wide shots where there might be, you know, 30 people in the frame and they're tiny and then you can zoom in and, like, it still looks good. It still holds. Wow. It's so, so good. And it's like I love photographing theatre. It's you, I feel like I, I need to pay them at the end of the performance. <laughs> Do you photograph them during their rehearsal or during so the performance? Now, yeah, with some really, uh, you know, A-list Australian actors and mm. this particular play that they were re- rehearsing um, and I was in there, I'm given free reign, I can walk around the stage, I can go wherever I want and just wander as long as I'm not right up in their faces or saying, can you just hold it there so I can be <laughs> shot? You just have to be silent. This was such an intense production, like emotional, and just getting to watch the technical side of acting and how the director brings out the performance and how they talk about it like I would discuss with an assistant, you put the light there, we need to drop it back here and do that. They're talking about emotions like that. Yeah, right. And workshopping and this particular play, there's like three different conversations happening at three different parts of the stage all at once and they're intense. It's all intense and full on. It was like it's an honour to be working with that calibre of actor and be in a room. I and I, I found myself watching Val. Yeah, you, do you it, find yourself I, distracted that you don't? I'm you're not doing your photography. Performance, and I'm like, I've got to put the camera. I've, I've <laughs> got to shoot. But you'd like you're so riveted by the performance, and they would be there would be crying scenes, mm-hmm. right? And then they would that there would be cut. They would keep crying. They're yeah. that into the. You know, and I'd be like, I'm going to cry too. This is very <laughs> moving. I've got to just hold it together. It's incredible. I'd really want to do more of that. Yeah. It's amazing. All amazing. right. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, let's move on to, um, well, actually, before we move on to this week's topic, which is all about lighting, but specifically lighting kits for all levels and every budget. And I really love this topic because I know you're going to break it down literally to all levels and every budget. And I think that that's great because so many times when I read photography books and magazines and blog posts and stuff like that, I look at the kits that these people have and I'm not that level. And I'm not that budget. (laughs) And so I think it's great. I can't wait to hear from you about all of the different sort of, you know, packages in a sense that you're going to talk about. But before we get to that, I believe we have a listener question from Heather in Florida. So hi, Heather. Before we get to that, apology to David Rook, who in Ep 59, I did a critique of his work. Mm. We called him Nook. Oh, no. His name is Rook. So I'm sincerely sorry, David. <laughs> so sorry, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David Rook. Yes, bad us. Mm. Um, so moving on to Heather, who hopefully is called Heather. <laughs> yeah. Shame if it was Sharon. <laughs> yeah. from Florida and big hi to anyone listening from Florida or from the United States because uh, it's great to to see this podcast go all around the world. So Heather has said, hi Gina, going on a limb here, hoping you can help. By the way, you and Valerie are doing a fantastic job with the podcast. I'm learning a lot. Uh, (laughs) I've been researching the best starter camera. 
for me to upgrade to. There's so much information, it's just exhausting. And that's so true, I have to say. Uh, I have to confess for, Heather goes on, I have to confess for years I've only been using the following cameras. A Fuji Fine Pix S700, waterproof Fuji XP or iPhone. I'm comfortable with all three of them and have had great success with taking good shots. Problem I see is that no one is going to take me seriously as a photographer if I show up to a shoot with these. I want to upgrade to a big girl camera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I can be ser taken seriously about my new endeavor. I listened to one of the earlier podcasts about what every photographer should have at their disposal. And then after more reading on the internet, <laughs> I'm just confused. <laughs> I know what I want from my camera. Sometimes I don't get it. I just don't get it with the ones I have. Now, here are Heather's wants. Yeah. Versatile shutter speed because she needs to capture pets and kits yep. in action as well as still life. Ability to do rapid continuous shots and on a timer if needed. Crisp images, mm. macro shots, and it's got to be durable because Heather says she's a klutz. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. And some of this will be based on the lens she chooses. Yep. So bottom line, what type of camera would you recommend Heather starts with? Okay, so um, I think, and I've said this before, Val, and this is what I uh, gave you as this is advice. Yeah, because this is almost exactly yes. my list, except yes. for catching kids. I yeah. want to capture pets and the still yep. life, and it's almost exactly what I asked you about yep. a year ago, right? Yep, mm. yep. I am a big believer in for your first camera buying secondhand, you can get Your first big girl camera. First big, big girl camera, camera, go secondhand because mm. you're going to get far more bang for your buck. Mm. And for the price you will pay for a new entry-level camera, you'll get a pro or mid-level camera for the same price. So it's going to be uh, heavy duty. It's going to have more features and you're going to get a lot more because what happens is a lot of people um, buy cameras and then the next best thing comes out and they'll buy the next one and they'll they'll sell it and it's like you you know when you buy a new car it goes off the lot it's lost you know 30 percent mm. of the value mm. the same thing happens with cameras and more so so you can pick up like uh, a canon 5d mark ii what did you pay for yours val wasn't much at all 5D mark II, yeah i can't remember but it was but it was a good price it's very reasonable mm. and it was about the same price as you would pay for uh sort of a, a decent entry-level camera Camera. So mm. I'm 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 sort of like to, I think to get something good with a lens, you're kind of wanting a budget of around um, eight hundred dollars. Uh, that's uh, Australian dollars. Well, that's Australian, so that's about two hundred US at the six, moment. No, six hundred. <laughs> it's about six hundred US. We'll get you a pretty good like it'll get you a, a brand new entry level with a kit lens. Or it'll get you a decent uh, second-hand uh, camera body um, with, and you can put a kit lens on that. So mm. I, I also recommend that you buy lenses second-hand to start with and you can get really, really good lenses like the 24 to 105 that I rave about, Val, which mm. is an amazing lens. You can get that second-hand for um, about 350 Australian dollars, which is what, about 3280, 300 US? No, 260 probably. Yeah, yeah. That's the accountant in you coming out, 
Um, so that's a very reasonable price. And that, um, Heather, has macro um, capabilities. That lens lets, allows you to shoot very close. And I would recommend as a first lens getting something like uh, a wide with a zoom, so to, uh, like a, a 24 to 105. That is a good sort of uh, range with macro, which the 24 to 105 has, and that sort of covers everything. Um, if that's a bit out of your price range, then go with the kit lens. Have a think about, um, uh, like, looking at if you're just starting out and going into cameras, consider mirrorless. Um, it's new technology. I'm not a huge fan. The people either love them or hate them. They're about 20% cheaper. They're a lot smaller. They do everything that a, a DSLR will do, um, but they're mirrorless. They don't have a mirror. So um, the cons of those is that the technology is still early. And so I, I think it's better to maybe wait a couple of years and then they'll get really good and then everyone can have them. So brand... It's a matter of going in to the shop and playing with the camera. You might find that Canon suits you, Sony suits you better, Nikon suits you. They're all about the same, Heather. Mm. They're all about the same. They all do the same stuff. So um, find the one that you feel most com feels best in your hand, basically. Mm. And I think that that is a great idea about buying secondhand because it is a big investment when you get yep. going up to the big boy or big girl camera. And it that financial stress is alleviated a lot if you do get it secondhand. So I found mine on Gumtree. So in America, you'll have Craigslist or whatever it is that um, you can buy your secondhand stuff from. And... Um, uh, Gina was kind enough to pick it up for me, <laughs> and I tested it out. And, yes. and like you can do, we, we should do a whole show on, and I will. We'll do a whole show on buying secondhand and what mm. you need to do. But some people are funny about buying used gear. Like you know, my mum would never buy anything used. Like, yes. like if we ever used to go up shopping and we'd come home, like you know, I'd buy second vintage vests and things yeah. like that. She'd say because you've got you only a couple of vests in your wardrobe. I have about a hundred. <laughs> I've got one for like you know. Yeah, but I love my vests. Yes. But if I would bring them home, she would say, but that you got that second hand. And I'm going, yeah, it's vintage, mum. She's like, yeah, but someone might have died in that vest. <laughs> That's what she would always say. And she not never liked me buying secondhand <laughs> stuff. So some people are like that. So if you are like that and you like to have the warranty, you like the new camera smell, mm. um, you know you can get canned new car smell. Do you know that? Like are you, you can buy, You can buy um, – yeah, you can buy a can, spray it in your car, and it makes your car smell like new car. So I'm really? sure you could get that because there is a there is a like an off gassing which happens when you buy new new items. So when you pull a new camera out of the box, there is a distinct new car new camera smell it has. So you just spray it with new car smell; it'll smell like a new camera. <laughs> I'm going to buy that new car. New smell. car I smell. Do you that. like it? Yeah, well, I kind of need it because I have so many pets in my oh, car. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a useful I, – I would say it would be quite a useful thing to have. Yes. And so, one of them whittled in it the other day. Oh, no, that's no good. The The cat or the dog? Because dog – The cat. cat – Is like the, – the and they're boy cats, so mm. that's a distinct smell, isn't it? I know, but we're doing our best to – yeah, get well, new, new car smell, Val. Yeah, I'll get that for sure. Yes. All right. Well, I hope that helps, Heather. Yeah, great. 
So we also have a photo critique request from Mike Hickman. Now Mike has sent a, um, he's got like a montage of a, I, and it's kind of like for a an image or like that could be used for a poster for a play mm -hmm. called The Deal by mm -hmm. Williamstown Percussion. And um, it's actually for his daughter's high school indoor percussion ensemble. And he's got some behind-the-scenes shots and a final Photoshop composite. So Mike has said, I knew what to do, but this is my first real composite. And I'm happy with it. Um, and uh, he says that the band performance will be performed in indoor gymnasiums and is based on Dante's Inferno. These are actors... These are the actors, other band members that don't play percussion. So, Gina, I, Mike is basically asking for some feedback some on the composite. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's basically uh, created uh, a shot with one, two, three different shots, but he's also added a, like multi-layers, text, and uh, extra lighting. And I think it's fantastic i think he's done an amazing job i look at it and it looks uh you know like it belongs on a movie poster it's like a superb job and i know by looking at this how much work he's put into it but he's just been really clever There's a lot he's of deep created a lot of deep etching that he's created smoke for part of it he's been uh, thoughtful enough to um think of lighting to add some uh colored lighting to his one of his characters to 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 give the inferno part of the the shot which which it all looks realistic and uh you know i think he's done a sensational job and the the the, the thing about like um doing these um comps is you only get better the more you do you know You've yes. just got to you've just got to start basically. Yes. My comment is I agree with everything you've just said and I will and we will put the image in the show notes which you can find at ginamilitia.com. That's M I L I C I A. My only comment uh to add to that is well it also depends on what Mike wants to use this for. Mm -hmm. So if it is meant to be a poster or if it's meant to be mm -hmm. a social media image or if it's meant to go on the the program or whatever. If it's meant to go on a program, then I think it's ideal. If it's mm. meant to go on a poster or a social media image, my only comment, and this is actually not on the photography, <laughs> this yeah. is on the words, is that you need uh, a you little... you and your font, Val. It's honestly. not to do with the font. It's not to oh. do with the font. You need... Uh. People don't know what it is. Um, they don't know if it's a play or if it's yeah. a this or a that or a performance or you know what I mean. So it might just need a tagline yeah. just to say, I, I don't really know, you know, based on Dante's Inferno or yep. um, three performances in February or I don't really know. It depends on what your the purpose is for the composition. Yeah, fair so enough. That's, that's a good comment. That's, yeah. the yep. only, that's the only other thing I would add. But let's get on to this week's topic. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. Lighting kits for all levels and every budget. Now, this was inspired by a comment in our Facebook community by Murray Izanwasa, who has mentioned that he would love some thoughts and advice on equipment and he doesn't want to, you know, spend a huge amount if he doesn't need to. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he wanted to get some thoughts on a decent speed light a cheaper lighting kit with strobes, stands and umbrellas, etc. Mm -hmm. And a monitor calibrator. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that has basically got you thinking, hasn't it, Gina? It has, it has. So I thought I'd uh, do a whole show on all on on um, on his questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Read the monitor calibrator. I'll just give that it, it, like the spider is uh, my recommendation for that, and um, I'll put a link in the show notes. And that in itself is a whole show, so I'm not going to co- focus on that too much. I want to mm-hmm. just uh, uh, tackle the uh, speed lights, lighting kits and stands, etc. so I can give everyone like a great sort of um, base to start with yes. to, to go out and shop. Um, <laughs> so um, before I launch into that, I want to share um, a blog post that I put out for Digital Photography School, Val. Mm, and great basically, blog post. And um, I, the reason I want to share is I want to um, – it's a way of showing um, everyone that it's not – like you can still do great shots with very – basic lighting kits and basic modifiers. So what I've done is I've done um, portrait lighting and my light modifier was a paper bag. Really? I used a white paper bag which actually held my Nutella donut. So I was it out did of not. a court short <laughs> and I had a speed light that I wanted to use and um, – the my usual uh, kit that I use, the Quadra Ellen Crom Quadras, was in the car. We were uh, a fair way away. The light was right. I wanted to shoot, and the modifier that I usually use with my speed light is a small LumiQuest um, softbox. It's I don't know. I've lost it, Val. I don't oh. know where it's gone. So oh. it usually sits in a certain spot. I keep changing. Uh, kit, kit bags because I'm traveling mm. and this has disappeared for some reason. So I have no modifier that fits this particular speed light, but I did have a paper bag. So I, I had a crack at, I thought, well, let me give it a try. I have seen someone do it with an airsick bag, mm. uh, like with an airsick bag. And I'm like, I've thought, well, I, I, I think a paper bag might work. And I was blown away with the results. So I did a whole blog post about it. How did you it. attach so, the paper bag to the thing? Hair elastic, Val. You really? Know, the thing that you bag me for having in my kit but I say they're so important as part of my kit the reason I use hair elastics is because they're um, quite soft yes and they stretch just enough like elastics like you know the ones you get from the post office that hold all your mail together those um what are they they're like a rubber band yeah that those fat ones yes they deteriorate in in light So you can have them in your kit and bit by bit by bit they lose, they deteriorate. So what happens if you use one of those to hold anything together, like Mm. they snap. Yeah, right. Hair elastics are very durable. And so it's worth just next time you're at the supermarket spending $3 Mm. and getting a pack of 100 and keeping them in your kit because I use them to um, hold light modifiers that I've MacGyvered. I yes. use them to hold my um, my um, pocket wizards uh, onto my speed lights, okay? Mm. And they've got all these great uses. So the paper bag is attached to the speed light with a, a hair elastic. Wow. And then the actual uh, – I didn't have an assistant on this shoot, so I had a um, – uh, I rigged up a um, a boom, 
mm-hmm. that I that I use to create this shot, a lightweight boom, which I'm going to break down for you in, in this um in this podcast as well, because this was one of my recommended um, pieces of equipment that you can buy. So the whole kit would be uh, $100, $150 to, mm. to, to put the whole lighting kit together. Wow. Very cheap lighting, Belle. Yeah. And it gives very high-end results. Okay, awesome. Mm. So right. we'll put the link to the um, blog post in the show notes as well. In case anyone we also had in that blog post um, guest uh, images by many, a few of the listeners from uh, the So You So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast group uh, shared their images as well. Then I was uh, really proud to be able to share those. Yeah, the, fantastic! Thanks for sending my those awesome in. Everyone. MacGyver hacks, which were fantastic. <laughs> yes. Gina loves a good MacGyver hack. My God, I'd love a MacGyver hack. I could, and it's coming back, Val. They're going to do a series. I know. They've commissioned a pilot. How exciting! Playing MacGyver today. Oh, you could. Who would you get? No, but like, it's got to be a, like a male actor, a twenty-something. I think they were thinking of a female MacGyver. Ah, uh, really? Well, there there was rumours. But who would it be? I don't know. Mm. We'll see, won't we? Exciting. Let's keep um, going with lighting. So um, when it comes to lighting, mm. what kind the, – the, the things that, like, people need to think about is, like, whether to buy – to spend the bucks mm. by knockoff versions. Now, I believe mm. there's some items that you should um, spend well on and there's mm. other others that are okay to buy uh, knockoff versions of. So um, – the things that I look at is um, if the, if it's going to be uh, flimsy and lightweight, uh, you like light stands and things like that, and they're holding an expensive light and they blow over. You're going to it's going to be expensive in the long run. Yeah. So there's, there's certain things that I will um, spend extra money on. So um, like I've had I've 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 missed shots because. Um, I've used really cheap triggers. I've lost lights because I've had uh, light, light, light stands. How do you say that? Very <laughs> light, light stands that blow over in the wind. And on the Facebook group, I've seen many stories where people we've we've read out um, critiques here, Val, where they say we got to a certain point, oh, yes. light fell over. It's yeah. so common. So mm. you know, I think it's uh, well worth investing in decent light stands. And what happens with the cheaper ones that you buy? They're beautiful to start with, but mm. after you open them, close them, set them up, pull them down, they fall apart. They actually yep. fall apart really quickly. So I think with light stands, it's worth spending a bit of extra money on. So I look at stuff. I want it to be um, something that's easy to assemble um, and, and quick to use. So if you, you have to sit there and, and uh, get the diagram out and go, now where does that pole go and this screw and that screw and four hours later you're still putting the softbox oh, together. No. It's not worth it. I've had a few of those and like for the $20 and the extra two hours, you, you just – you don't end up using them because it's too much work, mm. you know. So 
and and you want it to be sturdy enough that like you know if if a little light breeze comes along it's not going to fall apart as well so so consider those and you also want to consider like the weight that you're going to have to lug around so if you're a big guy you're not going to worry about carrying heavy weights but you know if 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 that's going to be an issue think about and and if you're trekking around a lot for your mm. shots you're going to be or traveling a lot or just setting stuff up and doing a lot of walking with your gear, then then maybe you'd want to consider speed lights over other kinds of lights just because they're a lot lighter. Yeah. Uh, all right. So when it comes to um, working out whether you want to go with pro-level gear or enthusiast-level gear, have it, ha- ask yourself these questions. What are you going to be using it for? Yeah. Where are you going to be using it? And how often are you going to be using it? Now, if you if you're going to just – shoot at book club on sunday Val. <laughs> all right or, i don't uh, yeah i i mean i take your point but i think the bigger question is people are often don't, might know that yes they're only going to shoot at book club on sunday but they they're not sure which is enthusiast level gear yeah so th- this price and we'll break it all down but you know you know that it's enthusiast level gear generally by the price you know because mm-hmm. it's build it's the build of the um the product how well it's made and 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 the sort of price but here's the thing there that that there are certain items that like i think that when you're starting out that it's it's a great idea to start with these items because like it's like i gave the michael schumacher analogy a, a, a few podcasts ago even if you've got the Ferrari of lighting mm-hmm. and you're not sure how to use it, it's not going to make a difference early. Yeah. So I really believe that to, to just start out with very basic kits, get your head around the lighting, practice on that, yeah. and then when you then outgrow them. Outgrow them and either keep them and, and save those lights, like little speed lights, a fantastic I've got I've got about five of them and sometimes I'll have like, you know, $20,000 worth of lighting, lighting a shot. And, do you know, and then I've got this little speed light that might be just lighting a tiny area way, way in the background, mm. just as a little highlight, mm. you know, they still come in really handy. So you just keep adding to your kit mm. and moving up and going in steps. Start small. Start small, but really I focus, I really really can't say this enough focus mm. on the technique yeah the, the you know the gear will come down the track as you get better you get better gear and you'll because you'll see the difference in the quality of light you know mm-hmm. if 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 you are now at the point where you're doing 50 weddings a year or you're trekking in sub-zero um hmm. you know locations then it's then that i would consider um going with uh, pro or more heavy-duty gear because you want the seals, you want the ability for it to not fall apart, you know, after after you've used it 10 times. Sure. Or, or blow as light lights do because they just can't cope with the wear and tear. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, let's talk about light stands because, like, that, that, that this is an important start yeah. to lighting kit. So I think with light stands, Invest well, spend the bucks. Okay. So what do you think should be the first light stand item one would have if that one was starting out? I would, the first thing that I would buy if I was starting out is mm. some kind of boom system. Mm-hmm. 
So because like you're starting out, it's going to be difficult to have an assistant with you every time. Yeah. And- be able to light in a way that is going to be you get that way you're going to be able to create really high-end looking lighting scenarios because yeah. the, most of the best lighting scenarios are created with the light above and slightly to the side mm-hmm. so um you can create a really uh you can like the cheapest way to make a boom is to macgyver one um, I, I should put a link up. I'll, I'll actually put a MacGyver link. one made out of what? So, a broomstick? So uh, two light stands and um, clamp them together so you mm-hmm. get a cross. So it's not going to be um, as ideal because you won't have the ability to raise it and change the angle mm. of the arm, but you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll have the, the teeth section going on so that you can actually have your light raised above and over your model and the reason uh, we shoot with boom is because if you've got the lights just on stands and you bring them in really close Mm -hmm. to the subject the lights are in the way of the shot Mm -hmm. they're going to be in your frame constantly and you're constantly having to negotiate lights or move them uh, further back which means you can't light as well so Great lighting is about bringing the lights in as close as possible because so, that's going to give you the softest, best wrap. So just to be clear, in case anyone's a beginner, when you have your light on a light stand, it's essentially vertical. It's some, it's a light on the top of a vertical stick. But And as Gina said, if it's too close, it's going to be in your shot. So yeah. if you have a boom, which is a vertical stick and an arm yes. attached to it, your yes. light is on the end of an arm, and that's yes. that, that's why the, the stand isn't going to be in the shot because the, stand the be arm is going to be higher than the shot as yes. well. And then and then that gives you the ability to light above your mm-hmm. model and slightly to the side, and Great. then the light isn't in view. So MacGyver, two mm. light stands together. The next one, right. um, the next step up on that, and I believe it was uh, Mike Hickman that, that sent me a link to this. Um, you can actually just buy... Uh, a knuckle, which which is like uh, to 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 make a boom, you attach that knuckle onto your light stand, mm-hmm. and then you can put uh, another light through light stand through that or a light pole, and that gives you the ability to create a, a cheap boom as well. So the knuckle is just like a disc, which allows attaches to your light stand and allows you to rotate the arm of the boom at different angles. Sure. They're about six dollars. So the Great. link put in the show notes. They're six dollars on um, Amazon. I'm going to buy one as well. The boom arms are about like you can buy a boom arm for about you know sixty or seventy dollars. So that's pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. The next step up from that is you can buy like a Manfrotto combo boom, which is an all-in-one, looks beautiful, uh, quite professional looking on set. They're only two hundred dollars, which is which is I think a good investment because this is something you're going to use every time you shoot. Every time you shoot, so it's going. It's it, I think it's a worthwhile investment if you're in the studio. Um, I would recommend that you go with uh, a, like a more heavy-duty boom. I've got one. It's uh, probably around $700. It's on casters, mm-hmm. and um, it, it'll take the weight of like even my biggest light, and then I can manoeuvre it, and it goes uh, up and down all different angles, and then I can tilt the light um, left and right as well. So it's got you've got more ways to uh, angle the light, so it gives you uh, more options. So, Great. so 
worthwhile uh, investing. Um, when it comes to thinking about uh, what sort of lighting you're going to invest in, are you going to go with portable or studio lighting? Mm. Um, what you need to think about is when you buy speed lights, yes. uh, which are very portable and fantastic, they're light, they're amazing, but um, they're not that powerful. Yeah. So the workaround with the sp- so one speed light is about uh, between eighty and a hundred watt seconds. Mm-hmm. Okay, in power compared to a battery operated light, which is about four hundred watt seconds. So depending on the kind of speed light, the size of speed light you buy, mm-hmm. it, it, the battery operated light could be up to four to you know eight times more powerful. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, you're going to really notice when you're trying to take shots outside in full sun and overpower the sun because, mm-hmm. because you'll find the speed light just doesn't have enough grunt. The workaround that some people um, use with that is they might um, pack four speed lights. You can get these adapters where you can you can attach up to like six or eight speed lights in and use those. Mm-hmm in one go to make like a, right. a, a massive light. But think about, like, let's do some math here, Val. Mm-hmm. One speed light might be worth, if you get a, at the cheaper end, an $80, $80 Yong Nuo, yep. right? And you'd have to buy four or yeah. eight of those to equal one uh, portable light, and you yep. end up paying the same money. Right. Right? So in the long run, it, these are things you want to think about. So you want to weigh up where am I using it, how much am I carrying it around? Like you know, all those options, and what is it that 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 you're shooting as well? So you want to think about like what's your shooting style, what's your budget, and you know who are you? If you're going to be like I do a lot of I I rarely overpower the sun when I shoot Val. Mm-hmm. So I like doing like the sort of blown out backgrounds, and yeah. um I, I shoot very shallow depth of field. So for me. Uh, I can I, when I'm using my battery operated flashes, they're mm. they're constantly at like an eighth power. They're completely when I'm shooting outside. Yes. Okay. So mm. the, ha, really have a think about the what it is you sh- you're shooting and what you want to end up with when you when you can, you know decide on what sort. But of, can you give us some examples of what you mean? Like if we're shooting X, then we should consider this kind of lighting and if we're shooting Y, we should consider this kind so of lighting? So if you're, if you're shooting um, models like say, I, I notice a lot of people in the pod, podcast uh, Facebook group are doing uh, fitness shots outside, yeah. right? And um, you're shooting outside and you want those beautiful, rich blue skies, which means you're going to have to overpower the sun. Yeah, right. And and you want to work quickly for that sort of stuff. And even doing like stuff like your shots that you want to do with your um, trainer, Val. Mm-hmm, of the gym. Where you want to do great body shots of him. Well, no, I, not necessarily. Or just, just things around the gym. Oh, you want to shoot around the gym. But if mm-hmm. you want to do people photography um, inside where you want to really sculpt the body, um, I would probably recommend that you, you go with a battery-operated um, light right. because it just, it just gives you uh, more options. But you need to think about the, the style of lighting that you do. You've just got more power. You can do more with it. If you, right. For which option? You've got more power in. 
the battery operated light yes, gives yes. much okay. more power. Yes. Right. And you know, you weigh up the cost of like batteries that you're chewing through every time you're using speed lights. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And and also um, it, recycle time when you're using speed lights at full power. The recycle time between flashes is really slow, Val. It takes forever. So if you're trying to do those quick shoots mm. where you might have, a, a, you know, three or four people and even though you've got five speed lights set up in a, in, in a, in a configuration, everyone has to wait for the recharge. Yes. Right? So you're trying to keep the dialogue going and going, okay, everybody, everybody, just ready, ready, here we go. And taking the shot now. Great. Okay. <laughs> and then you're like, all right, so just waiting for my flash to recycle. What's everyone doing on the weekend? Anything <laughs> exciting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite color? Run through, start from blue, order them in, you know, and can anyone do this math? You know, and you're still waiting for the light to recycle, which can be frustrating. <laughs> but on low power, speed lights are fantastic when you're shooting at a half, a quarter, you know, an eighth power. They're fast. And they're yeah. fantastic. So that they they have they each have their advantages and disadvantages, Val. So the other thing you need to consider is like how much light are you, do you need in the shot? So if you're looking at creating like you want um, backlights, you want a room light the room as well, and or you're doing big groups, then you're going to need more than one head. Yeah. Um, so, so you need to sort of uh, th think about those sorts of things. How many lights you're going to to order as as well. So, um, all right. So, shall we move on to? Uh, I had a list of the different um, speed lights that I recommend in yes. order of cost. Val. Actual. So, Speed yes. lights, please. The show notes. So, all right, we'll put these links in the show notes. Entry level, you can't go past the, your your first first speed light, Yongnuo. Mm -hmm. Okay, about eighty dollars. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Um, after that, there's a, a great one, and this is a, I, re, I really recommend you pay a visit to this uh, website if you're a, a lover of speed lights, and that's called Strobist. I've put a link to the show notes, and um, they uh, and a lot of lot of photographers who use speed lights swear by the LP180 quad uh, speed light, and the reason people love it so much is there's four ways, four different ways you can sync off this light. You can use a cord. You can use um, a trigger and a couple of other ways as well. So it's very versatile and a beautiful light source and so well worth looking into. Um, I've heard good things about the uh, the newer as well, and then and then which I've put a link to the show notes, and then um, you've got your Canon Nikon, and then there's also other sort of, of versions of those as well. But there there there's my list. There's a link to to each of those in the show notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Great advice. Okay. So what are we up to now? Um, thinking about light modifiers, mm -hmm. basically, again, it's uh, have a think about what are you shooting and uh, what are your Why don't you explain, in case people are brand new, why don't you explain what a light modifier is? Okay. So basically a light modifier is um, – uh, uh, an attachment that goes onto the end of either your speed light or your uh, portable flash or your studio flash 
And what it does is control, shape, and um, soften your light source. Mm -hmm. Great. For the most part, it controls and shapes, mm -hmm. and some of them also soften because there's different kinds of modifiers. So you can, uh, you can create hard light with the modifier or you can create really, really soft light. And the style of modifier that you end up choosing is going to be something that also defines your style as a photographer because mm. you through um, different photographers' websites, you'll see that yes. they have a preference towards um, different styles of lighting because it's the certain modifier and the way they set up their lighting. So um, I recommend that when you're starting out that you test them all out and test them out in order of degree of difficulty. So I would start with um, an umbrella. Mm -hmm. Umbrella is the easiest to use because pretty much you put an umbrella onto a, uh, a, a flash, like mm -hmm. a speed light, portable light, or a studio light, and it's basically as, as close to daylight as you're going to get. An umbrella, all it does is just spread the light further. Mm -hmm. And evenly, it's just like turning a light on in a room, basically. Yeah. There's no real shape to it. It just adds light. And that's why it's such a, a great starting light modifier. So I think every photographer should have an umbrella in their kit because they're great for creating fill and they're a good light to start with. Um, there's some great ones. Again, you're looking at uh, quality and, and build because what happens is if you've got a flimsy, I've got, I bought real, some really cheapo ones mm -hmm. and they, um, they ended up, they fall apart. I had some cheap ones that had silver in them, glitter. Mm -hmm. Oh. And every time you open them, glitter went from here to within a 30-day <laughs> sort of radius everywhere, and I had glitter over me for the next three weeks. <laughs> so so I spend a little bit extra. They're not that expensive, but when it comes to the umbrella, spend a little bit extra because they do break, and th those, they go over. They fall, The lights fall over when they've got umbrellas because the wind catches them. Mm, so be careful. A bit more durable. The workaround is to get an umbrella box, which is basically like if an umbrella married a softbox had babies that have <gasps> umbrella boxes, yes. and it's sort of contained, and you get a beautiful soft light. They're easy, quick to open and set up, and you just um, – work with those and uh, they give you the best of both worlds and again a good light to start with again have a look at build and quality um, I've got Valerie links uh, of all of these in the show notes and I've put in um, uh, little lighting kits that I recommend so okay but let's start you said to, to, to do you said to try them out in order of degree of difficulty so, so and you I'm start saying, off with the umbrella uh, umbrella What's the next one? Then I would go with uh, something like uh, I would start with the, the softbox family. Now, the softbox family is umbrella boxes, mm -hmm. softboxes, and uh, octoboxes. Mm -hmm. so can okay. you, and just in case anyone's new, can you explain the difference between them? Okay. So an umbrella box is basically an umbrella that married a softbox. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so it's, it's got it, it's it's like it looks like an umbrella and yes. a softbox had a baby. That's the only way I can explain <laughs> oh. it. They're just like they combine, they merge. It's like an umbrella, but there's material over the opening. Panel. So so you've got 
what what happens is it shoots. So there's two kinds of umbrellas. You can get uh, shoot through where the the light goes directly through the umbrella, mm -hmm. which is a little bit uh, um, harder than the other version, which is uh, an, an umbrella that. Uh, shoots the the uh the light goes into the umbrella and then back out reflects out reflects right mm -hmm. so the umbrella box is that how that's how it works it reflects the light and then it goes back through the diffusion and onto your model so it actually creates very soft light so it's yes. it's, it's it's a good start as your next one when you when you you know want to move on to the next step umbrella box then soft boxes and octoboxes, no matter what size and shape, they're, they're basically all the same. The difference is, I th I think it's the the shape of the um, the um, catch light in the eyes. That's the difference between right. them. It's a slightly different light. Like I, I and I know that, like you know, at the high end, I use chimeras, which are probably the the higher end of uh, soft boxes. They're not cheap, but they're they're a beautiful soft light. There's, there's a bevel inside the softbox, so it goes through that and then it goes through the uh, the front panel as well. So it's a very soft light and it spreads beautifully and like the more expensive the softbox, you'll notice the, um, the, 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 the shift from highlight to shadow is, is more subtle and, 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 and beautiful. You do, you do notice the difference there. So I know that all the pros listening will be t understanding what Jean is referring to, but just in case you're brand new and you're feeling a little bit daunted, when Jean is referring to a softbox, she's referring to like a, when you see a rectangular kind of, um, well, box, uh, but it's made out of soft material and there's the light inside, but then the front panel, which is usually white, uh, is what diffuses the light. And an octobox is a similar situation, but in a different shape. More of it's got the, eight sides. It, it's got eight sides. And like as Gina mentioned, eight kids. <laughs> yes, like Octomom. That's how I know. That's how I know. Because oh Octomom had eight kids. That's how I knew she had eight kids. Because I had oh. an octobox. I know what octa means. Felt. Oh dear God! Never mind that you're, you know, Italian, and the word for eight in Italian is otto. Oh my God. Okay, I'm 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 done with explaining. Go on. <laughs> so octoboxes give a beautiful light and a beautiful catch light in the eye. So um again So what Jean is referring to there is that the actual reflection of the light in someone's eyes will either be a it's rectangular shape if you use the regular mm -hmm. softbox or yep. will be that sort of octagonal shape if you're using the octobox. Yep. I use soft boxes uh, or in in most of my shoots. In all of them, Val, I, mm -hmm. I like how I like the light that they give, and I would recommend uh, either I, I would recommend a soft box over an octobox. Uh, mm -hmm. I just think the quality of light is better. So if you're starting out and you're using speed light, I would say get a get get a, um, a soft box. But um, if you're still very very newbie i'd probably recommend a an umbrella box because they're just easier to set up soft boxes are fiddly and time consuming so they're they're the sort of things that you need to weigh up but you're going to get great light from both of them okay great all right all right 
Um, after the after the boxes, the box family, um, mm -hmm. then I would um, experiment with hard light. That's the hardest to work with because you're dealing with uh, they're very unforgiving, Val. So mm. with a soft box, you can kind of have it in the right place mm. and get consistent results every time. Mm. And you know. If you move it a few millimetres, it's not going to matter that much. When you move into the hard light modifiers like beauty dishes and grid spots, mm -hmm. it's a whole new ball game. A couple of millimetres is going to make all the difference. And I think that's why photographers and especially newbies get so frustrated because they're going straight to the cooking mm. the steak <laughs> when they didn't get their potatoes peeled first. So basically... <laughs> If you sort of haven't got your head around what the lighting's looking like and what the difference is if you're moving your lights around and you start with something like a, a grid spot or a beauty dish, you, it's, you might fluke it the first time, but you're not, it's, it's very hard. It's very hard to get consistent and beautiful results. With so, Gina, Gina, in what situations would you be using hard light? Would you want so, to be using hard light? So I use I like to match the kind of light I'm um, using with the the kind of light I have in the background. So if I'm shooting outside and it's a bright sunny day, mm. I would probably use a um, hard light modifier for that because that sun sunlight is very hard, and mm. uh, you, you want a modifier that matches that. Um, if I'm working in a studio, a beauty light is fantastic. Uh, it just makes the skin glow, but I'm using like, you know, five other soft boxes with that to fill the light. It's, it's a really tricky, uh, light to, to, to use. So like I would definitely start with all the others yeah. and leave the, leave those till last. Okay. That's right? a really good, you know, journey kind of mm. thing. It's a really yeah. good way to learn. Yep. Fantastic. And what we've done in Gina's show notes at GinaMilitia.com, Gina has uh, developed a, a whole range of different kits. So if you're in a shoestring budget and you only want to spend 200 bucks, she's broken it down for you and how you can spend that 200 bucks with different speed lights, flash triggers, octagon umbrellas, um, sandbags even. Then mm -hmm. she's got one for uh, $400. Then she's yep. got a one for uh, if you've got fifteen hundred dollars, yep. then three thousand dollars, yep. and if you've got a lot of cash yeah, yeah. <laughs> lying around for seven thousand dollars, she's mapped out an ideal kit to yep. suit your particular budget, and all yep. of these are going to be in the show notes. So thank you, Gina, for for mapping all of that out. It's really handy. And just to that, Val, I would add um, uh, a styrofoam head. Oh yes, as, a, as an essential because they're fantastic to to practice on, yes. and um, we'll do another show where I cover all the uh, extra accessories and bits and pieces that will also help. So, yeah, I hope that I hope that helps, Murray. Yeah. Fantastic, yeah, Murray. That's a big long answer to your <laughs> to your <laughs> question, but hopefully a lot of other people have found it interesting as well. So, um, yeah, that's this week's episode, all on different lighting kits. I think some people will be doing a bit of shopping. Yeah. I think that's I need to get uh, a boom. I do not yeah, have. Yeah, I'm buying the Manfrotto one that I've put in the show notes. Are you buying the Combi one? 
I'm buying the two hundred dollar one. You Val, you mm. should get that too. Yeah, the con- get yeah. Two, we'll split the um postage actually. Um, oh, okay, cool. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Except that we live in different it. states yeah, know, of Australia, so I'll just have both <laughs> until I come up and see you. Hey, so I'll just have two. <laughs> really handy. That's a good buy. That two hundred dollar combo. Yeah, and that link is also in the show notes. So uh, do let us know what you think on social media if you enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. And if you do have um, 30 seconds to leave us a rating or review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it as it really helps us with the rankings. You know what now, I'd love, Val? What? If Mum was listening and left <laughs> us a review. That, you know how much that would make my day? I would just be so happy. If anyone oh, knows... Um, I love the show. Oh, my God. If anyone knows Octomum, please, you know, just uh, let her know that she has been mentioned on this podcast and she is instrumental to Gina knowing that she's used an Octomum. Free portrait if you're listening, Octomum. Free portrait. Call me. Call me. She lives in America. Doesn't matter. I'll fly over. All right. All right. Uh, Yeah. All right. Get, Get that. Get that message to Optimum, okay, everyone, because we'll get Gina to America then. We can have a meet-up. <laughs> All right. So uh, just a reminder as well that uh, if you sign up to Gina's newsletter, which you can do at com, it's an awesome newsletter. I love it. And um, newsletter subscribers every month get free Lightroom presets and the only way you can get them is to be a subscriber. Uh, If you've missed out, you can also buy a package of Gina's Lightroom presets on her website, GinaMilitia.com. And uh, until we talk to you next week, we hope you have a good week and we'll chat to you then. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.